My job is to lower the threshold of pain to get into analysis so that mid-level managers and lower level employees in a department who have the context, who have the knowledge, can actually get into the data and do the analyses because it makes sense to them. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Morales. And I'm Emily Kotecki. This is Ideate, Rethinking Data and AI in Education a monthly podcast where we talk with leaders in the field about how they foster innovation through data and AI. Today, we are excited to be talking about data-informed improvement and how we think about tying data and AI and technical to practice, to human effort and experience. And uh, we have the distinct privilege of having Dr. Rick Burnett Associate Provost for Strategy and Analytics and Interim CIO at Florida State University. Rick is a 20-year innovator in higher education and brought business intelligence, BI, and CRM into his roles in higher education at Florida State University. We also have Dr. David Rainey, the CEO of Nuventive. Dave left academic medicine 20 years ago to create the pioneering solution for higher education assessment, which has evolved into the Nuventive Improvement Platform, which helps institutions turn their strategic plans and frankly plans across the entire campus into progress through data-informed improvement. Thank you both for being here. Glad to be here. Thank you. All right, Dave, we're going to start with you, if we don't mind. Yes. Please tell us what you mean by data-informed improvement. We often hear, as Dr. Burnett said even uh, previously to this, uh, terms like data-driven initiatives or uh, data-based types of initiatives. And uh, at Nuventive, you're using the term data-informed improvement. So what does that mean? So first, let me say that you did such a nice job of capturing it. I'm not sure I need to say any more. No, I'm just, I'm kidding you. Um, Data-informed improvement is about trying to take the information that you have, BI, AI, and reporting, and tie it to business process so that you can answer this so what question on a consistent basis. So what? Did something change? Is your practice effective? Are you improving practice over time? So we're trying to join the technical in the form of information and the human in the form of people's best thinking uh, and actions over time to improve organizations more quickly. And we think it's equally important for the human side to get attention to it as it is for the BI and AI side. As we all know, BI and AI is moving forward in leaps and bounds. And we want to make sure that the ability of a wide variety of people to interact effectively with that kind of information to change something that matters keeps up with that uh, and is, is an equal partner in doing that. I'm actually going to ask Rick to comment on the informed versus the driven because um, I think, I think it's, a, it's a critical distinction. So first, uh, Jason, thanks for the introduction. And uh... I guess 20 years more on the information management side of the house, but I've been 38 years in higher education leadership. And um, when I, one of those jobs in there was director of institutional research and in the, inter in the interview, I said, the opportunity is not to do compliance reporting, but to basically take the data that we have and turn around and face our campus and empower them with data. So this data informed is really a data empowerment 
people have to make decisions. The data doesn't make any decisions. So we're providing them with information. So when we talk about providing information or data to people, we need to think about not only who's providing the information, but how we're providing it. So the medium is a message to quote Marshall McLuhan, the Canadian linguist. And so we have to have the right vehicle to share that information so that we end up with a collaborative environment. What we need to do is we need to create a, a community of users who are using a, a common platform so that we benefit from the insights of, in, of a number of people as opposed to one. And so the human intelligence is always the most important, even when you start moving into artificial intelligence. Rick, I'm going to follow up on that. What's a specific example that you can share at FSU about how you have tie data to process, how you democratize that access so that people can use the data to make decisions? So democratize first, um, Jason mentioned it briefly, but 20 years ago, actually 22 years ago, uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to bring business intelligence to Florida State University, one of the first in higher education. And, and the intent here, again, was this empowerment. And in terms of examples, we're in the state of Florida where we have performance-based funding. Well, performance-based funding means that they give us metrics that we have to meet. And so the question then is, you know, what are the strategies? What are the tactics? The same thing goes with strategic planning. So the process is really about how do we define what data predicts how we're going to perform? And so we need to figure out what data will move the needle and then figure out the tactics that will help that happen. And so we ha have to have a feedback loop there as well so that people know the outcomes of whatever they're doing to try to move us forward in terms of various metrics or the rankings or where the case may be. So to operationalize this then, uh, Rick, what, what are some of the biggest challenges or one of the biggest challenges that you, you face then at the university? Well, a big challenge is that we're a university of 45,000 students and uh, you know, probably a couple of thousand uh, faculty members. And so, so the challenge is really hurting cats. When we talk about data, what an institution needs, they need to have an, an, a data evangelist. Somebody is going out there who's saying, here are the data that are available. Here's how you can access those data. And so to have the data, I went to IT a long time ago and said, I don't want a developer doing a report for me because they don't understand the context. My job is to lower the threshold of pain to get into analysis so that so that mid-level managers and lower level employees in a department who have the context, who have the knowledge, can actually get into the data and do the analyses because it makes sense to them. And so I don't have to worry that they understand what freshman means. If I give it to a programmer, I say, how many freshmen do we have? And they'll tell me I have, have 8,000 freshmen. But we've never had 8,000 freshmen because for us, freshmen means first time in college freshmen who just came out of high school. They may have interpreted that to be, oh, freshman also is an academic freshman. So you run into errors there. And so it's great, it's better to, to move data to the hands of the people who really know the most about the context. Florida State is, um, has been wonderful to work with uh, for many reasons, not the least of which is Rick uh, brings together the human side of doing things and the technical in a single person. But he also has a really competent team and especially a high level of sophistication around BI and around Power BI. So like a lot of institutions, you know, Florida State has started with um, the, the processes that are uh, most commonly done in our solution, um, learning outcomes and institutional effectiveness. And they're using some really nice Power BI reports to do that. Maturationally, I think like a lot of institutions, they will move on to adding more information 
into what we call our information library as they add their strategic plan in um, and other plans. We see people adding more and more plans over time and the system is, is uh, grows with you. So you can add more and more information into the system um, as you add more plans that are relevant to a particular plan. And one of the cool things about it is that the information is then contextualized to that person, to the outcome that they're actually working on. So if somebody was going down a, a student success questionnaire, for example, you, you could have um, box one is, is about retention. And what happens is the retention reports are all there. And the next one's about six-year graduation. The six-year graduation reports are all there. So it makes it really um, possible for many faculty and staff to participate and to create a culture. This is a heavy lift, even with the best possible solution in a very large organization. And it really helps to have um, somebody with the mindset like Rick's and also a team that's really competent um, with both sides. You know, to build on the comments you made earlier, um, Rick, where you said you, you need this data evangelist to go out and meet with constituents or colleagues. Well, well I guess that's the question. Who, who do you engage with? Who does this data evangelist meet with as stakeholders? And um, what is the context of that? Why, why do they care to meet with this data evangelist ultimately? So we could say the Society of the Willing. That's the easiest group. <laughs> um, yeah. But then, uh, again, in our situation, because of the performance-based funding metrics, we also have preeminence metric as a preeminent university. Uh, part of the premise is that uh, the state wanted us to move up in the U.S. news rankings. And so we also have measurables there. And so part of it is identifying who are the people who have the context and have the ability to turn the gauges that can affect the, the trajectory of the university. Then it's who, who has a mindset that allows them to think data because some people think in abstraction, other people think very concretely. Some people think of, you know, think very analytically, others do not. And so it helps to find that. So it, it, it's no um, mystery that the fact that I've been here 34 years really helps me because I've had a chance to, to interview everybody. And so I know who is amongst the theater of the willing, you know, the society of the willing to, who can do this, but also know something about them. But there are people that you have to bring along uh, because their job is essential. And so what we do is we we look at different ways to reach them. And so a lot of it, again, is this whole threshold of pain issue. How high is the threshold of pain? And so when you say, I want you to do an institutional effectiveness report, and you've got to go through some crazy five steps clicking through, and, and then your data is not there, it's difficult. First off, Dave and I think alike, and, and I'm only as good as whoever's riding shotgun. So I like to surround myself with people who are going to push me. But, you know, when we go into this process, you know, can we take somebody and provide them all the information they need to, to make a decision or to describe what they're doing or how to describe their progression? Oftentimes, people can't do that. They'll have, the data will be available, and then they won't think to go get it. So it is really a process of, of moving the data to them in a way that they don't really have to think about it. Um, again, giving them a vehicle to access the information. So the fact that I can embed a Power BI report into Nuventive and put it on the right side of the screen while somebody is giving an answer to the question about how well did you do on the left-hand side, they can say, well, I see my bar went up from this year to that year. And so therefore they can report that directly. And then they have a very grounded response as opposed to like, I think we did better. You know, anecdote is horrible, you know, and but 
everybody loves it. And so this is an opportunity to actually, you know, we have a rule here at Florida State, you know, anecdote is great for stories, but don't put it in a report. When you're reaching out to, when you have your evangelists that are trying to get people to adopt this technology, use it in their process, how do you speak to folks who are maybe, they're non-data, they're non-technical people. So how do you get them to see the value of this so that this, you know, this mindset, you mentioned that, that word mindset of data-informed improvement can continue? I think both of us are probably going to want to answer this one. Um, I, I think that one of the key pieces is um, engagement for faculty and staff. And, and both of them have, both faculty and staff in variety roles have very busy lives with lots of competing interests. And, you know, in the case of faculty, and I'm, I'm speaking as a uh, ex-faculty, academic faculty member, um, before I started Nuventive, you can say no to using technology to a certain degree. Um, I'm sure Rick has many ways of persuading people to participate, but it, it's it's better if the participation is I want to do this or I can do it or it's easy enough to do. And there's a couple things I think that make a difference. One is, as Rick very well articulated, having everything in the same place makes it easy. I, I know what I'm supposed to do with this. The other thing is, are people looking at my thinking and is it impacting the institution and can I see improvement? So there's, there's a lot of reporting in the system that, that is meant to capture people's narrative thinking and action plans in a way that they're visible and you can identify what is and isn't working. And the person can see their own impact, which I think really helps engagement. There's, there's one interesting piece that um, we're finding uh, to be very important, which is you can't make assumptions about people's knowledge about how to use um, information. And um, I'm actually a really good test case because I'm, I'm actually a child psychiatrist by background and I've very much honed in on the people side. And my, my team likes to say that if Dave can do it, anyone can do it because I'm, I'm technically not, not the swiftest. And I think finding out how to support people in a way that's, um, that doesn't make them, that's empowering in terms of learning how to use information is very important. And I'm guessing that Florida State uses a number of techniques there, including evangelism, but beyond that. Uh, certainly evangelism is part of it, uh, but you really have to build, uh, to, to start the discussion, you have to build the value proposition. You have to say, why is this important to you? So I have to know enough about what the downstream effects are on them to be able to say, this is why it's important to you. So where I typically work, and um, again, I'm an educational psychologist, and so an educational psychologist is about the conditions of learning. You do the formative evaluation, you know the audience, you then pr provide a message to them directly. And so what I'll often do is I'll figure out, you know, I'll build the case. And then, you know, as Dave said, you know, if Dave can do it, then anybody can do it. I've got this guy, Andrew Brady, who's just the most likable guy in the world. Really, really smart, but he doesn't ever show it. Um, I have a tendency to kind of walk in. They say, oh, there's Rick. He's he's a geek. He's talked about stuff all the time. It's like if, if I walk in and say, well, you can do it. Then they're like, you know, yeah, but you're just a freak of nature. And so I'll say, well, Andrew's teaching. So Andrew has taught probably three, 400 people on campus how to use Power BI, for example. And so he'll bring Heather along with them and they're great. Do I ever step in those meetings? No, I don't want to intimidate anybody. And they're like, oh, it's, you know, it's folksy time. But I had to take the role as a leader to say that institutional research, when I was a director there, 
and it's still in my purview, um, that institutional research would assume the role of training everyone on how to use this so we would have a similar look feel on, on all of our Power BI reports. We want to make sure that if somebody moved to a different department, the reports there would have the same look and feel. And so this is, there's a whole strategy around how you do that. And it really goes down to that information management. Do you have a way to share information where the threshold of pain is low enough that average people can get in there, or at least they can feel they can get in there? But the other is the growth mindset. You talked about mindset, uh, I believe. Um, and with mindset, growth mindset is that belief that you can do it. And so we have to convince people sometimes that they do have the capacity to do it and the lift is not that great but you need the right characters or right actors to present that message. And sometimes that's not me. There's a lot of different sources, a lot of different places we're pulling data from. And the new Nuvenev improvement platform now is offering institutions a means to bring that data into a unified experience to then make better use of it. So here's a, uh, maybe an opportunity for you then, Dave. Talk a little bit to the design of the way the Nuventive technology is presented. You know, here we're seeing Rick is, you know, of course there's the evangelism part. Of course there's a human connection, but how much easier is that made when you have a nice technology and in, in effect a nice design to how you present this information? Maybe uh, speak a little bit to that, if you wouldn't mind, in, in the Nuventive side. I, I will. Um, so, again, our our focus is very intensely on the place where information meets human thinking. And that's the lens that which we look at everything. And so the information that's available in the system is we're not creating a, a data warehouse. We're bringing in whatever reporting you have and organizing it by purpose, academic or business purpose. And we're creating a flexible system of planning and improvement processes where you can purpose that um, against any number of different initiatives, very wide ranging. Um, we have a school that's got a, a board project in there, an anti-racism plan in there. Um, in addition to learning outcomes, you know, obviously strategic planning, program review, all possible. The schools that are doing the most advanced work around AI and BI continue to evolve the sophistication of what's available as information. So the way we have um, tried to future-proof this is sticking to our focus, which is in that last piece of connecting the human thinking and that. So as an example, when more sophisticated BI becomes available, those reports end up in our library. And if people were making decisions based on something simpler in the past, that record of what they made decisions on and how it worked out for them is still available. But we now point when you're on that question to the new things. And interesting, and what we're finding when some schools is that as they start using their existing information better, and more people are participating with it, there's a, there's a really a hunger for more information that gets awakened in, in, in faculty, staff, and administration. That's like, gee, we ought to step back and look at our, our overall strategy. Now, with a, and, and with a school like Florida State, they already have a very sophisticated strategy. So for us, the sophistication of the BI 
over time and over over the next coming years, we have no doubt we'll just get more and more sophisticated and it'll add power to our interface. And, and Dave, when you say that, that you're putting it in the library, I actually like to think of it as, as putting it on the screen because one yeah. of the things that I see as a yes. real value is the process that we're doing for our annual institutional effectiveness yes. oftentimes mirrors the documentation, the process that we would use for our strategic plan, yes. what we'd use for program evaluation. So we have an opportunity to, to plant a document in the library, but then surface it wherever we need it to be instead of having to replicate this process and, and then not know where it is. And so by having a central repository, you can then have this reuse, reuse. And so I can go to the departments and say, you know, you don't have to start from scratch. You already have this template of what you did before. You can actually build upon that. And so when I look at, when I look at technology, you know, and I, we talk about this data thing here, it's, you know, data don't have a voice. I had to tell my people in institutional research, you know, your job is to give data a voice because data can't, can't describe context, doesn't, can't describe the so what. And so we need vehicles. And so that, those vehicles are people and technologies. And so we use Power BI to paint the picture because then the picture speaks a thousand words, maybe better than I do. You know, we use Nuventive because the picture of data helps people conceptualize how they're doing and they can then respond better. So, you know, what I like about the product and Dave started going there is, um, and I don't know where I got this term, but, you know, I think it's uh, Chipotle or something, but, you know, the Joey bag of donuts is like one of the things you can order. And it's like, you know, some software is like a Joey bag of donuts. You know, if you can configure it the right way, you can, you can not only use it for strategic planning, but you can also use it for institutional effectiveness and program review and your DEI efforts and the like. And so if you, so that's the job of us as, as innovators is to say, I have these tools. How can I marry? Well, we talked about Power BI. How do I marry teams to this? Yes. Yeah. So, so what's the confluence of teams, Power BI, and Nuventive? Well, so I can get the conversation going in teams and then reference the input that's going to be in Nuventive, which also references the report that was in Power BI. And so that is our job as as innovators, and, and maybe that's why I ended up being the accidental CIO here, um, is because that's what that's what we have to think of as leaders is how do we do that? That is that information management. Um, Dave, just to help me understand a little bit more, put me in the shoes of this user and how I would use it and what I'm seeing so that I can really get a picture of, of how this operates on the ground. Sure. Um, so let me start by saying that we're getting better at verbally describing it. But I have to say that most <laughs> of the time we have to say, if we've interested you enough, you need to see it. So one of the outcomes I would, if anybody who finds this, this uh, recording interesting, I would encourage you to see it because the reaction we get from most people is I haven't seen something like this before. And let, let's start with the principle that we want each person, no matter where they are in the organization, to have the information they need to either understand how a process is going or understand what they're supposed to be doing in the process. So the cabinet level reporting, um, we like to have two elements in that. One is an overview of where the plan is. So are people actually participating? And a summary of what their thinking has been and what's working. So that, that's at the, at the higher level. At, at multiple management levels, though, you can have this kind of roll-up reporting, which, by the way, we're using uh, Power BI for in, in our, out of our own database. So what we're trying to get is everything on the same page so that you can say, okay, I'm responsible for this outcome in my program, say. 
This is the information that's available for me to look at. Here's what I saw in that information, and I record that. That then becomes an asset that gets rolled up. Here's my action plan, and we're going to remeasure it in this amount of time. And over time, you begin to capture that entire improvement cycle. So you're, you're capturing what worked and what didn't work, what moved the needle and didn't move the needle. That then can roll up as an asset for the institution as well. And then for your cabinet, you know, they may have a specific question. What departments are doing something specifically to address diversity, equity, inclusion? Yes. And they can actually pull back without knowing, you know, which departments they are by simply pulling all their plans that are associated with that particular strategic planning item. And yes. so we have, and I'll shamelessly plug here, strategicplan.fsu.edu, we have 155 different metrics we're tracking. But we also have that same information in Nuventive and everybody who's doing their annual report of their effectiveness are associating what they're doing to different planks of that strategic plan. So we're having this synergy between those kind of localized activities and the, and the global activities of the university. And we have the capacity to just go in from a global level and say, who else is doing things to support this? Then we can get some best practices from that. So it, it really becomes a, a self-reinforcing type of environment as well as a great reporting environment as well. I love it. And, and I think it's just so important to reinforce that, that that starting point is really familiar, intuitive in its own right, but that ability to then iterate, to explore, to have that information at your fingertips and that this technology and this approach essentially that you advocate is empowering uh, your cabinet and your stakeholders as well, again, as, as uh, the other contributors to, to, to access this information and support their improvement plans is fantastic. I, I have a, a last question to run by you along the nature of what we're talking about here. And of course, our understanding of the improvements that have been made, for instance, in artificial intelligence or data uh, related technologies, analytics and such. Since you've started working together, what is one of the biggest evolutions in technology that has affected how you approach data-informed improvement? All right, so Dave didn't jump in first, so I, I didn't want to hog the, uh, the mic here. But um, you know, we have the capacity for data to process and store data and, and then the capacity, compute capacity with data has opened up, you know, machine learning, uh, uh, AI as well. Um, universities who didn't think about having a data lake now have data lakes. So now when my IR director has a question, you know, he just pulls in whatever he wants and instantaneously has, has a data warehouse type environment to do that, you know, to provide that information. That same data lake we created, we have various hooks into it. We can write SQL against it, but we also have Power BI reports that are referenced directly off of that. So what we're doing now is we have democratized data by putting it all in one place. We can still um, partition it so that certain people can't see certain things, but we now have a singular source. And so we have one version of the truth. And so the, my challenge when I was the institutional data, well, I guess I st still am the institutional data administrator, is that I am the one source of truth externally for the university. Well, my risk is if people are reporting off of different instantiations of the same data, 
So if I can point them all to the same place and they all have the same report. And so when we surface those, those reports for the strategic plan or for the institutional effectiveness reports for the departments, they're all sourced from the same place that anybody else would get the data as well. And that's why it was important for me to involve institutional research and in teaching everyone how to use these various tools because we want to make sure that everybody was you know, playing off the same sheet of music. And so I think that, that there's, a, there's an art as well as a science to uh, AI, but certainly the mobility of data, the, the amount of data we can pull in, we can pull in all types of social media and, and, and um, uh, data about um, of sentiment analysis, wherever the case may be. We can juxtapose all kinds of data. You start talking about what's the effectiveness of a program, why don't you have people give you a response and then measure the sentiment? Yes. Yeah, so there are various different things. It opens up a world of possibilities. And the great thing is now we can just surface all that information when we're doing the evaluation. And we also have all the previous year's responses. So we know what we've said in the past. So we won't, we, you know, we won't be making up new lies necessarily. <laughs> I, it, 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 the changes in technology are so um, profound, I guess, is the word I would use. And they're building on each other. And it's, for me, it's, it's related to um, the cloud technologies all coming together. Um, of which um, BI and AI is a piece of it, a core piece of the cloud. The ability to democratize information has gone in leaps and bounds. The ability to ask far more sophisticated questions and far more questions. And what's so exciting about that is that if, if, if we can marry that systematically to people's best thinking and actually hold ourselves to were our insights and our actions that we took correct, I think we can see a dramatic acceleration in identifying effective practice and sharing it um, eventually with, within an institution and then on a, you know, on a uh, as wanted to basis, perhaps between institutions uh, in consortia. Rick and I have batted that around a little bit um, before. Um, it's just an incredible time. And the, the, the speed at which new things are available in the cloud is, um, of course, we're, we're in the Microsoft cloud. So that's the environment I know. Um, and Microsoft has a mission of democratizing data. Um, it's, just, it's just a thrilling time. Well, with that, we're going to wrap up. Thank you so much, Dr. Rick Burnett from Florida State University and Dr. David Rainey, CEO of Nuvento. Thank you for joining us on ID8. Thank you. Enjoyed it. And thank you to all of our listeners. Jason and I will be back with another episode of ID8, Rethinking Data and AI in Education on the first Monday of the month. Until then, all episodes will be available wherever you listen to your podcasts.